You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Amen. Well, the book of 1 John, he is writing to us, inspired by the Spirit of God. He says, I write these things to you that you might have joy. Anyone need joy today? Come on, let me see your hand. Let me see. All right, come on. When I ask that question and only 50% of you respond, that means 50% of you are lying right now. Come on. Who needs some joy today, right? Amen? Oh, yeah, let me, I, sign me up for that. Joy is a, is, a, is a foundational truth in my life that no matter what's going on around me, I got joy all up inside of me. Amen? And so John is leading us to joy. And he says the way that you're going to have this joy. And he started, he led us there in kind of an interesting way. Maybe a way you wouldn't think uh, uh, on your own. What he said is this, like, you're going to have joy. First of all, you need to understand something, that God is light. Say, someone say, God is light. God is light. What's that mean? God is true. God is right. And if you're going to have joy, you need to understand God is light. And if you're going to have, if you're going to have joy, you're going to walk in the light that God provides. Like, you're going to live your life a little different. Amen, church? Like, I'm just, I'm different. I mean, Christian, I'm just going to own it. Christians, you just own it. You're different. You're different in the world. You're walking in the light. Now, we learned that in the first week. Second week we learn, like, if you're walking in the light, it's not because it's like some behavioral management system, like some religious duty. I guess I got to go to church. I guess I, guess I got to do what's right and, and not do what's wrong. I, it's not like I guess I got to. It's like, man, boy, I get to, right? I, I, see, I'm doing this because I love God. Man, I'm in love with you. You can't keep me from church. You, you can't keep me from doing what's right because I'm so in love with God. I just want to do what's right. Can I have a better Amen. So first week, I'm going to walk in the light. Second week, man, I'm walking in the light because I love God. And here's what begins to happen that third week. We talked about this all last week when we were together. Man, if you're loving God, something else is going to happen in your life. You're going to start loving other people. It's just agape love of God. I, I, it just, the Bible says that his love is shed abroad in my heart. It overflows my life. And it starts to touch the lives of others around me. Man, I just love a little different. They, know, they will know that you are my disciples by your they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Agape love. It's a different love. And here's what John does as he closes out. He says, listen, if you're going to have joy, you need to and you can have this thing called assurance of heaven. Man, I am assured. I got security in the fact that I'm going to heaven. I got this promise. I got this certainty that this world Man, this world is not my home. I'm anchored in something beyond what you're looking at right now. I got heaven. Heaven's my home. And I am certain of it. I am sure. You know, there's just not a lot of things you can be sure of in this world. Amen. You know, talk to me, church. Talk to me. There's not a lot. I mean, like, you mean, there's a lot of things you can't be certain of. You can't be anyone like, man, I. I love people, I don't trust them though. I can't be certain of people. You just can't, you can't always lean on people all the time, right? Because you, you sometimes never know what you're gonna get. I mean, I love people, but I just, I know that, you know, I can't be certain. Relationships are not always certain. Like people are changing all the time and anyone, anyone know somebody done something dumb? Like, come on, right? And it's, it hurts and I mean, you just can't be certain with people. I mean, you can't be certain with, man, what? Can we just, like, elections? Like, you just can't be certain. Just can't be certain. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be this. No, what? What happened? What? Come on, everybody, right? Just can't be certain. There's nothing I could just stand on and go, this is the way it's going to be. I can't call that. How many want, to, want, want you to know, too, 
I mean, we're in the middle of like, you know, this, this, what's going on with the economy and, you know, people flipping out that you can't trust the economy. Hey, let me help you out. You can't trust the economy. Mike, you just need to know that. Like, why are you so surprised, right? I mean, I won't get out, I'm not gonna make you do it, but if you get out a dollar, it literally says on the dollar, hey, fool, trust in God, right? In other words, like, you just can't trust you can't trust your money. Like it's up, it's down, it's all around. Come on, right? I mean, I, I, I remember, I, you, you can't be certain of the economy. I, I remember, I was certain that 2006 was the right time to buy a home. I, I, yeah, you're like, yeah. I bought a home in Orange County in 2006. Tate and I put all of our money, all of our savings into, a, into buying a home because, you know, everybody was bidding on homes and we were like, well, we better get in there before the price goes up and everything's just going to keep going up and up and up and up. And we bought a home and it went up for two years and then it went way down and it went down below what we actually owed on it and we got ourselves in a whole mess because we were young and, and dumb and got into some creative financing with the with the way they were doing our loan and then we ended up the loom blown and we hey long story short we, we ended up losing our home in Orange County because of all this stuff going on with the economy and everything here's the point you just can't be certain you know for all of you right now thinking should i buy a home i don't know i don't have a here's what i here's what i do know is you can't be certain is that depressing? Come on. And here's what starts to happen. Is in the middle of all that uncertainty, it starts to produce something inside your heart. It's called fear. Fear. And I actually think right, right now there's a spirit of fear on our society. There's a spirit of fear on a lot of people. Some of you come in here today and you are struggling under. You are crippled by a spirit of fear. I think it's always been there. I think it was fanned into flame during covid and I think it's still resting on people. We're just stuck in fear. There's, we, we, we feel like nothing is certain in our world. And we are just stuck inside this fear. Well, listen to me, friends. What God's word is bringing to you today, what John, inspired by the spirit of God, penned, is what you need to hear to break the spirit of fear in your life. Like, it's, it's to live a little different. And here's what John wants you to know. What he's going to put in your heart and your mind that's forever going to change you. And it will if you lean in today. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John writes and he says this. For these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. I've written all of this. This is his conclusion. What's the conclusion? That you may know. Not, not you might guess or, or you might be really hopeful or you might know. That you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it. That you know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, John writing, he says this. By this, love is perfected in us. By this, what is this? The this points to everything that John had been talking about up to this point. All the stuff that we've been looking at, right? By this, love is perfected in us so that we might have, I'm writing all this, so you can have confidence on the day of judgment. Hey, listen, everybody, there's a day, there's a day coming. There's a day of judgment coming. There's a day when, when, when this world will be no more. We will all stand before God. The Bible says that someday every tongue will confess that, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday every tongue, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. 
The, the question is, are you going gonna to bow now or bow then? And it makes all the difference on where, where you're going, right? He says, there's a day coming where you're going to stand before God. But you can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so we are in the world. There is no fear, watch this, in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We know this Bible verse. A lot of us have it like, you know, on a plaque somewhere in your house or in a picture somewhere, or you've, you've seen somebody you like on Instagram and you've liked their little Instagram, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. What you need to understand is where that's coming from. What's the context? The context is this. When you're convinced that heaven is your home, when you're convinced that your, your forever place is not this place, Right? When, when you've experienced God's love in your life and that love has anchored you in something beyond this planet, when you're convinced of heaven, then fear doesn't stand a chance in my life. What were we singing today? Bye-bye fear, right? Come on, right? Why? Because my hope is not in this planet. So whatever this planet decides to throw at me, the perfect love of God will push away from me. Why? Because I'm, you guys following this? I'm I'm anchored in heaven. I've got more than what this planet has to, to offer me. There is no fear in love. I live different. Because perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If you are living in fear, it's because you have not yet been perfected in love. You have not yet allowed yourself to understand what the love of God has accomplished on your behalf. You have not yet come to understand just how real heaven is. And how how certain you can be that you are going there. Because once you become certain, once that love of Jesus and what was accomplished for you on the cross becomes a reality to you, I I just live different. What perfects your love? He says, we love, well, because he first loved us. My love is perfected. That love is when when I'm looking at his love. Is that making sense, everybody? So here's where I'm trying to get you and what John wants for us today is that If you could end up with a confidence in the then and there, okay, you're going to live with a confidence in the here and now. Like if I could live, if I have a confidence of the then and there, it's going to change everything for me in the here and now. And what John says is you can actually have a confidence. This isn't a guessing game. You know, there's some traditions that that teach, maybe some a lot of religions that'll teach that. I mean, you can't actually know. You can't actually know. It's just kind of, you, you can't really know if you're saved. And so here's what ends up happening is that if you don't know if you're saved, well, now it's a big guessing game. And let me just tell you, man, there is no joy in that, is there? Like you are living your life just kind of like, man, I hope I'm doing it right. Man, I re- this is a really big deal. Like this is eternity, everybody. This is like your life is it's but a glimmer. It's just a, little, it's just a little spark and gone. And then it's eternity forever. Like I am, I hope I am not messing it up. And here's what happens if you live under that. It usually boils down to your good deeds and your bad deeds. And what you're trying to do is make sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Because you picture God up in heaven. He's got the big, he's got the scale. And he goes like, all right, how are they doing? All right, they got a lot of good going on. All right, good going on. Okay, they're going to make it. I think they're going to make it. They're going to make it. Uh-oh, uh, the attitude today. 
Cut somebody off that not drive. Man, I don't know. Watch that way you drive. And some of you picture God up in heaven. He's just going, and, and, and what, what happens is like when, you're, when it's a good day, it's like, I'm good. God loves me. I'm going to heaven. And then you have a bad day. And when you have a bad day, and you're like, man, I hope I don't die today. I just hope. I'm being extra careful today. Why? Because I got to start working a little harder to get that balance back in place, right? And you are living your life just in teeter-totter. You have no idea. Others of you, you picture like God, you're, you're thinking, well, maybe God's up in heaven and he, what he does, he grades, on a, he grades on a curve. And so he's just going to look at everybody and go, how did everybody do? do you remember your teacher grade on a curve? Everyone who got really bad grades loved that. Everyone who was like the A students hated that, you know? And so I'm not going to tell you why I loved and hated it. I loved it. I actually loved it. It was a great plan. So, but you think God grades on a curve. And so you're constantly looking around going, well, here, as long as I'm doing better than somebody else. And you could always find somebody else you're doing better than, right? But here's what you need to understand. God doesn't grade on a curve. God's not up in heaven with some, with some scale, you know, good deeds way outweighing bad deeds. You know, there isn't this, there isn't this, well, man, I hope and I, and uncertainty when it comes to the things of heaven. John says, actually, no, everything I've written to you is so that you can know. Man, I want you to have some confidence all up inside of you when it comes to the judgment. You're going to have confidence in the day of judgment. Like you just know you're going to heaven. Listen to me, everybody. I know where I'm going. Isn't that a little cocky, Chris? I got a good God. And and I understand what it's going to take to get me to heaven. And it's not me. What John has been doing this whole time is trying to help you understand what it takes to get you there so that you just throw yourself into everything it takes to get you there so you can have confidence that you're going to be there. And so, John, what are those things? In the Gospel of John, the same writer of 1 John, for the very first time in John, the Gospel of John chapter 3 introduces us to this thought. It's, 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 the, it's uh, of being born again. Remember, Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus at night, Nick at night, and um, <laughs> thank you, comes to Jesus at night, and Jesus just cuts straight to it, and he just goes, hey, before Nicodemus even ask, has a chance to ask him anything, Jesus just goes, hey, listen, whoever wants to inherit eternal life must be born again. And that's the first time we see this thought, born again, and this is the first time Nicodemus heard it, he's like, what are you talking about born again. Do I climb back in my, he's like, that's weird. This is all very weird. Jesus, what, tell me what I'm doing. And Jesus says this. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you're going to inherit eternal life, you have to be born of the flesh. You got a pulse. Anyone got a pulse in here today? Come on, you got a pulse. But can I tell you this? You're not truly living by only having a pulse. He says, you got to be born of the flesh and then you got to be born of the spirit. There's another birth that has to take place inside of you where your spirit comes alive. And friends, this is why Jesus came and went to the cross and took upon himself everything you deserve for your sin so you can be forgiven of your sin, washed and cleansed and come alive spiritually back into connection with God, living under him and for him, alive in him. I am born again. We need to use that word more often been born again. I'm born again. Well, how do I know if I've been born again? Well, this is what John's been writing about. Come on, I want, I'm going to do two things today, if you let me. I'm going to help give you confidence you're going to heaven. For those of you that are, I need you confident. For those of, that, of you that are not, 
I need you to make a decision today so that you are, okay? So you're going to know you're going to heaven, and then based on that, you're going to live different. So let's start with this. What did John write to us? How do we know? How do we know that we've been born again? Well, John first said that there's these, I call them, I'd call them birthmarks in your life. You've been born again. And so there's these marks in your life when you've been born again. And and first one is this, it's confession. Write these down. I'm gonna give you three real quick that John's been talking about. I write these things so that you can have confidence when you face God. The first one is this. He's been writing a whole lot about confession. Okay? Here's the question: what do you believe? What do you believe? First John chapter 5, verse 1 said, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. There's that word. You're born again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. First John chapter 4, verse 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. The first thing is this, everybody. What do you believe? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 said it this way. Those who confess that Jesus is Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? I mean, I had a, I had a, I shared this before, but I love it. I'll share it again. I got the microphone. I do what it, what I need. There was a young, young guy in my, in our, in our student ministry, Taylor and I were running student ministry in Amador County. And I took him out to Taco Bell because, you know, that's the big budget I had in, in student ministry. And, uh, Took him out to Taco Bell and just spending some time with him. And I was talking to him about this, like making Jesus your, making Jesus Lord and explaining to him that when he's your Lord, it means you're not. It means he's in charge and you're not. You've surrendered your life to him and now I live my life as unto him. Jesus is Lord, okay? And so we have the conversation. I start driving back home, back up to the office. And on the way back up to the office, he goes, Pastor Chris, I need you to pull over. I'm like, why? He's like, I, I, you pull over right now. He's all intense about it. I'm like, okay, fine. I, I pull, my, pull my car over. He got out of my car. I think he's going to run. He's running. He's like, he is, what am I going to tell his parents? Like he just ditched me in the side. I don't know. what. But this kid gets out of the car and he starts hucking stuff into the forest. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he turns to me and says, I'm making him Lord. And he's throwing pot. He's got drugs he's throwing out of the, and he understood I am going to surrender everything in my life to Jesus. I am making him Lord. I have confessed with my lips. I'm living it my life. Jesus is Lord. I think some of us got some things we got to huck into the woods, right? So first mark of a, of a believer is, is confession. You've made Jesus Lord. So here's my question for you. When did you give your life to Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Now, I understand some of you can't look at a date and say it was on this date. Yeah, this. But let me ask you this. Do you know you have? Like maybe some of you just grew up as a kid you, and your life has been lived great. But I just need you to know that you've made Jesus your Lord. I, I, like for me, for me, that was the summer of 1991. I was in junior high, went up to a, a, a camp. And I'd always believed in God, but I, I had never yet, I had never surrendered. I was running from God. I had not yet surrendered my life to God. And at that camp, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I confessed him as my Lord, that he is, he is, he, he is Lord of my life. He is my Savior. I, can, I, I made him my Lord. And listen, I gave, we say, gave my life to Jesus. I was born again in that moment. Something, ha- I, something happened inside of me. Confession. Do you believe? Second thing that John's been writing about, how you know that you've got eternal life and you have confidence on, on that day. Come on, the confidence for the then and there is, is how you live, okay? So w- once, 
you confess. And what happens when you surrender your life to Jesus? The Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. He sets up shop in your life. And he goes at changing your life. And it's not just like you give your life to Jesus, you wake up the next day, and all of a sudden you're just, you, you got everything figured out. It is a lifelong changing of your life. The Spirit of God is constantly working on me. He's constantly pushing me forward. He's like, there, there are things I, I have convictions about that maybe I don't do real well, but can I tell you, I got convictions about. Before I was saved, I used to do things I didn't even care. I didn't care. Now, man, I, God, could you help me? God, would you forgive me? God, would you, right? And what he's doing is he's changing me. How are you living? How are you living? Now, watch. It's not how I'm living that saves me, but because I'm saved, it changes how I'm living. Does that make sense? It's a byproduct. My, my life is just now changing, and so I should be able to look at fruit in my life. Like, and some of you, listen, come on, you need to hear me so you don't, you don't feel all condemned. Look it. Maybe you're not what you should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Come on, I'm telling you, what's happening, you watch, you're actually changing. Come on, your life is changing. That's, that's, that's why, because the spirit of God has gotten a hold of your life and he loves you so much. We always say it, he loves you where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. He's changing you. Anyone grateful to God that he's changing your life, amen? Like, he's changing me. So confession, what do I believe? Uh, change, how do I live? And, and then the other thing we talked about all last week, so I won't get so much into it, but compassion. Like, who do you love? First John 4, 7 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been, there it is the word, born of God and knows God. How do I know I know God? Because there's just this new love for people. Like I'm just, I'm just a little more sensitive. I just got some, I got some love for people. You guys ever, you ever go travel to other places, maybe another country, and you run into other believers? And you just, there's this automatic connection. Like, I mean, we're family, like, I don't even, I don't, we're not even speaking the same language, but there's just, we're family. What is that? You're family. You're born again. Like, you, there's, a, there's a spiritual connection with the body of Christ that, man, God just gave you. And John is, is writing, goes, hey, all of those things, they're just little birthmarks of the fact that you have been born again, and therefore you can be, here's the point, certain of the then and there. And I just want that for you. Look at me, I know I'm going to heaven. And anyone in here who's wondering or, or man, I'm really kind of hoping, man, I just really, gosh, I, man, I just want to change that for you. I want you to know today the reality of heaven, that you, you can be anchored there. I am, and I want that for you. How? Now confess him as Lord. Let, let him change your life. Let him grow your love and anchor you in heaven. Amen? Amen. So now, once you're angered in heaven, it'll change everything for you on earth. When you have confidence in the fact that heaven is your home, you walk with some confidence while you're here on earth. Certainty of heaven changes how I live on earth. Because I have confidence there, I walk in confidence. Watch, this is what I want for you. Everywhere. The spirit of fear is broken off my life. Come what may. Come hell, come high water. Come, come what this world will throw at me. Come sickness, come disease, come loss. Come, come what may. Listen to me. I'm okay. Why? Because this 
earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a citizen of heaven. Good name for a church, amen. And Ernie, I'm glad you're excited about this message. I wish other people would too. Church, I want this for you so bad. See, I get now what you're gonna what I impart to you, give to you, is, is a eternal perspective, right? I'm anchored in something greater than the temporal. Now, sure, listen, everybody, I want the temporal to work out. I really hope things get better. I, I hope I hope the you know finances get better. I, I hope this gets. I, I, I'm not one. I'm not walking around going, well, who cares? It's all going to it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Like you know, I don't know why every time I do a Christian voice, it sounds like that. Maybe maybe a friend of Trey's. Come on, somebody back in back in the back in Mississippi somewhere. Come on, talking to you. And um, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like, well, you know, who cares and don't care. Yeah, care. Pray that things go well and hope. But here's here's what I want you to understand. Like, I want it to go well, but listen, I don't need it to. Does that make sense? Like, I, I want it to change. I, I want it to. I'm hopeful. But listen, my theology says I actually don't, I don't have to have it that way. I don't need it to. Why? Because my, the reality of heaven has changed my, my, the way I live today. So, so, I'm just passing through. Like, if all I have is this earth, I'm just going to preach this until we get it. If all I have is this earth, Come and think about that for a second, everybody. It's like, literally, hey, but it's all there is. What you see is what you get. Man, if, if this is all there is, you should be freaking out. If this is all there is, you should be worried. If this is all there is, fear should grip your heart. Uncertainty should grip. I mean, because there are some real things. War is real. That what's going on in the economy is real. Sickness is real. COVID is real. Death is real. Like we face these things. And if this is all we have, man, we, we of all people have no hope. But you see, this isn't all there is. There is more going on than meets the eye. And heaven is more real than you could ever imagine. Closer than you could ever think. And when you just come to grips with the fact that I'm okay because I got heaven. It, listen, here's my theology. Throw at me whatever. I don't, I don't have to. Man, I want it to. I don't have to see it get better. I don't have to see it change. I, I want it to. But even if it doesn't, I'm good. Why? Because, listen, everybody, some glad morning when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. Right? Come on. You know the song. Amen? Like... That's just, come on, you're clapping like we're at a golf tournament, everybody. Come on. Like, I just, it's going to be all right. Look at me, Christian. Look at me. Look at me. Every one of you, look at me. It's going to be okay. I know it hurts, and I know that there's real pain, and I know, I, I know. But listen, guys, someday, for certain, as sure, you can mark my words because they're not my words, they're his words. Someday he will wipe every tear from every eye. Sickness will be no more. Come on, death will be no more. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth and that day is certain, certain. Near the end of Jesus' life, 
Jesus is talking to them about the fact that he's going away. And the disciples are all discouraged. They're bummed. Because they thought Jesus was going to set up uh, uh, his kingdom in, in the temporal, in the here and now. And they were all about that. They're all invested in the here and now. And so they actually thought that Jesus was going to go in and overthrow the Roman government and, and set up this new kingdom. And then Jesus starts going, hey, guys, no, no, actually, I'm going away. I'm going to go away. And they're like, what? We've been following you around, and you're going away. And they're all discouraged, and they're all, they're all bummed out. They're, they're, being, they're being gripped with the fears of the world, the challenges of the world. The, 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 the world is all that's in front of them. And I want you to see what Jesus does in John chapter, in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now pause with me for a second, okay? Some of you know the rest of that verse, you know where where Jesus is going with this, but I want you to act for a minute like you don't know the rest of that verse. Get the picture. They're struggling with the cares of this world, the worries of this world, the pressures of this world, all that's going on in this world. Jesus is leaving. Oh, my gosh. So much to be worried about. And Jesus said, come here, guys. Hey, listen, everybody, listen. Don't worry. Don't worry. You believe in God. Believe also, you trust in God. Trust also in me. And what you're hoping he's going to say is, because I'm going to work it out. i got a plan. I got, I, you, you didn't see this coming. But, but you're going to see, you're going to see some power show up. You see a miracle happen. You're going to see, and that's what we're hoping Jesus is going to say, right? The disciples are, they're leaning in. Well, what are you going to do, Jesus? Right? You feel that pressure? You feel that tension? And then what does Jesus say to them? Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. What? If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going away to prepare a place for you? Do you see what Jesus did? He goes, hey, I know you got some stuff going on on earth, and I know you're worried, and I know all this hurts, and I'm going away, and you're going to miss me, and, and I know that's just the reality. But instead of promising you something here, I'm going to lift your eyes to what's beyond here. Yeah. Yep. Hey, in my father's house, there's many mansions. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and receive my, I'm going to take you there. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not a promise. I'm going to fix everything right here. Here's the promise. I got an escape plan. We getting out of here. Right? Like, he said, this messy old world, like, we're going to, there is a day coming where, like, you don't, you will shed, the Bible says, from this body of sin and death and take on a new body, heavenly body. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Come on. Look, understand your theology, right? Eden, God gave us Eden. And then we messed up Eden. Do you understand that? Like this was perfection. This is thriving. This is what life looked like. And God said, you you can thrive under the government and governance of me. Just keep your life surrendered and yielded to me. We said, well, God, we got our own way. We got a better plan. We did our own thing and we made a mess. Everybody look around. We made a mess. Okay. Everyone goes, well, if there's a God in heaven, then why? The why is you made a mess. The, the, C.S. Lewis says the moment that we rebelled against God, we unleashed the dogs of pain and sickness and death upon our society. You're looking at all of it. So we made a mess. Here's the beginning. We make the mess. And here's the, here's the gospel. God doesn't leave us to the mess. He comes up with and gives us an escape from the mess to bring us back into Eden. And it's just the confession that he is Lord. 
He shows up and he gives his life on the cross, Jesus does, so that all the mess we made, the, the, the penalty of the mess we made, can be absorbed in Jesus. He takes it upon himself so that we can be freed from the mess we made and anchored back into heaven, which is really a whole lot like Eden because that's what it was meant to be like in the first place. That makes sense? So the gospel is, listen, here's the gospel. This isn't all there is. This is not your home. Can I help you with something, everybody? Get confident of the fact that you're going to heaven. Let it give you confidence in the here and now. If this is not your home, look at me, everybody. Come on, please let me help you. Stop living like it. Like, just stop it. If you're living like this is your home, everybody, you're going to be miserable. It just hurts. You will be crippled with fear. But I'm telling you, when you're confident that heaven is your home, I mean, you, stop, you start looking up and not just around. Come on, are you with me today? I'm living different. I'm, I'm looking up, not just around. I, I love what this theologian, philosopher, Soren, and the best way I can say it is Kierkegaard said. And I want, I want you to listen. He said this. And I think I have it for my, for my screen here in the back. It says, when the sailor is out at sea. So everyone picture a sailor out at sea. The sailor is out at sea and everything is changing around him, right? The waves are continually being born and dying. There's just, there's storms coming. There's waves coming. There's just life is changing. The, the landscape is changing. Come on, the landscape in your life. Come on, it's changing. Things change. Things are not certain, Remember? And in that landscape where waves are continually being born and dying, the, the sailor does not stare into the depths of these since they vary. Says he looks up at the stars. How do you get through everything that's varying? You need an un, unvariable. You need something that is certain. He looks up at the stars. Why? Because they are faithful. And as they stand, now they stood for the patriarchs and they will stand for coming generations. By what means then does he conquer changing conditions? Through the eternal. By means of the eternal, one can conquer the future because the eternal is the foundation of the future. Here's the question. Where are your eyes? Come on, where are your eyes? What are you looking at? God wants you fixed on heaven, certain of heaven. It's having, the, like the sailor, the right perspective, an eternal perspective. Perspective shifts everything. The only way you can make it through everything that's changing is to anchor yourself on something that is unchanging, the reality of heaven. See, you know when you, when you go in for counseling, we go in for counseling, and a lot of times we think we go in for counseling because the counselor, counselor's going to fix everything. Come on, counselor, do your job. Fix everything. Right? But can I tell you the, the gift that a counselor gives you? The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counseling. If you need go get counseling. I believe in counseling. We need counsel. But you know what counsel does? Counseling doesn't necessarily fix everything. Counseling gives you the right perspective. Gives you a better perspective. Are you with me, church? Counseling helps you, listen, see things the way you actually need to see things. And if you see things the way you need to see things, you start making decisions based on the right perspective instead of the dumb decisions you were making under the wrong perspective. Counseling helps shift your perspective. You're listening to somebody else who isn't just all caught up in your head 
and all your thoughts. How many know your thoughts, they spiral? Come on, are you with me? You have a thought, you have one dumb thought, and then that dumb thought gets fed by another dumb thought, and all of a sudden, you're just sitting there. Come on, I'm making light of it, but you know what I'm talking about. You are just sitting in a sea, swirling around your dumb thoughts, and you're stuck, like, oh my gosh. And as your thoughts go, your emotion goes, your life goes, and pretty soon you're sitting there. You are all caught up in your own thoughts, sitting depressed, alone, and what you need, come on, you need counsel. That's why I say you gotta have yourself, you, gotta, you have got to get into, into a crew. You gotta sit in a small group. They're always pushing crews because, man, we just love you so much. We know that you gotta have some people you can call at 2 a.m. Like some two, come on, you need some 2 a.m. friends. You call and go, help me. And they go, Where you, where's your head? And they go, right here. And they go, get it out of there. Let me help lift your thoughts. Let me pray with you. Let me give you scripture. Let me remind you the reality in the midst of everything you're facing right now. You've got to, listen, here's what counsel does is it shifts your perspective. And friends, what John is trying to do is give you a better perspective. Because the truth is, is it okay that I talk? Listen, church. The truth is, things might not get better here. There, I said it. It might not, I'm not a doomsday guy, but I'm just saying, it might not get better here. But guess what, everybody? I'm not focusing my life on here. See, I got something beyond here. Beyond here. You ever, you ever fly somewhere in the rain? Come on, see your hand, you go. Okay, two of us have done that before. This church is filled with liars. Okay. I love you, though. You go fly somewhere in the rain, right? And, 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 Every time you go fly in the rain, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a traumatic experience <laughs> because like the takeoff isn't like nice at all. They always tell you over the, the guy gets on, you're already stressed out enough. Think about how much faith you put in flying, everybody. I've never met that pilot. I have no idea who they are, but I am gonna trust them with my life's a big deal. And then I'm climbing in this big cylinder tube with little wings poking out the side and some theory that says it's going to fly, right? And nothing about this situation feels right. But I strap myself into this thing and go, all right. And then on top of that, it's raining outside. And the guy that I don't know behind the veil tells me, behind the deal tells me, hey, everybody, it can be a little rough. Take off today, a little rainy. We're going to push through it. And you're like, all right. And you buckle up and you go. And he's right. It's rough. <laughs> You can always tell the first-time flyers because they are freaking out. They're waiting for the thing to fall. They just talked about this. Come on, where's my mask, right? But if you've done it before, you're like, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on. Just push through, just push through, push through. Because what happens, if you're lucky enough to get a window seat, and if you know me and you fly with me, Tatum, come on, I always got the window seat. I love sitting at the window. And I look out the window, and you fly, and you're seeing lightning, and you're seeing, you know, rain coming. It is, it is storm. And then all of a sudden you start pushing through this layer. Come on. And as you do, you get to the other side. Do you know that there's sunshine up there? Did you know I was in a storm and there was sunshine up there the whole time? So here's the question. The question is this, what layer are you living in? Like what layer are you focusing on? You talk to Christians all the time. They'll say, you got, how are you? They go, well, under the circumstances. There's my Christian voice again. <laughs> but like, come on, follow me. Like, under the circumstances. Now, listen, I'm gonna be gentle with you and I love you and I get it, there are circumstances. But here's, here's what John's saying to you. What are you doing living under the circumstances? You're anchored in heaven. The sun is shining. 
You need to fix your thoughts on things above. You need to remember who you are. You need to remember where you're going. You need to remember this earth is not my home. Come hell, come high water, throw at me what you may. But listen to me, my theology doesn't need it all to be fixed because I've got a heaven coming. Amen? I'm going to be good. I'm going to fix my thoughts there. I'm going to look there. So where's my confidence? Where am I fixing my eyes? Luke 21, 28. I'm just going to keep giving it to you. Luke 21, 28. Jesus is talking about the end times and everything's going to go crazy. It's my summary of the end times. Everything's going to all go crazy. Luke 21, 28. Jesus talking about the end times and it's what he says. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Notice what Jesus is doing. When everything's going crazy around you, sure, you want it to get fixed and you want everything to get better. We're going to be the church that believes in hopes and presses in. But deeper than all of that, I'm going to lift my eyes beyond all this. When you see these things happening, Jesus says, here's the deal. Lift your eyes. Not get all bound in it more. No, lift your eyes beyond it. See past it, you see. Like lift your eyes. And that's the test, everybody. Where are you looking Where are you looking? It's either up or around, and you can't do both at the same time. You're either looking up or you're looking around. And so the test for Jesus, he says, is from Jesus is, when these things happen, what are you doing with your eyes? When you get hit with news that, that just rocks your world, when you're moving through stuff you've never moved before, where do you lift your eyes? Where do you put your eyes? Jesus says, put them on heaven. Because it is certain and yes, the pain is real and the hurt is real. And but can I tell you something? When you got your eyes on heaven, there's just a grace on your life, man. My, I become more entangled in what God has for me there than what's going on around me here. And it just lightens my load a little bit, everybody. I'm going to be okay. Why? Because I'm, I'm getting wrapped up in, in what's to come. I, I'm heavenly minded. I'm heavenly minded. And my heart just follows Fix my eyes on heaven. Here's the other thing you do. Is you start to invest your life in heaven. Like if I am, as as we close, if I am convinced that heaven is my home, I'm convinced that there's more to this planet than this planet. Come on, you following me? Then I'm going to have a life plan that actually invests my life in what's beyond this planet. Does that make sense? So like, I can have a life that invests in beyond this earth. Listen, the truth is most people, including Christians, and and this helped you today, most people, including Christians, give a lot of their lives to what they see. You give a lot of your life to to the temporal. You give a lot of your life to, to what you see. When the Bible comes along and says, hey, everything that you see, it's actually not gonna last. And if you actually want to be wise and be successful, the Bible says, then, then you've got to actually invest yourself in beyond what's here, beyond what you see. You see? You, 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 you got to make some wise investments. Like nobody, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like nobody goes and invests financially 
into a company you know is going bankrupt. I heard, I heard a rumor, they're, they're cra- it's all crashing. Put everything in it. But my goodness, this is how so many people live. Listen, the earth is not forever. It's going bankrupt. I'm gonna put all my time and energy and effort and resource and finance, I'm putting it all here. Why? It's a really bad investment. See, I start living my life investing in heaven. Why? Because heaven is a really good investment. You know, it's the only thing I could put my time, treasure, talent, resource. It's the only thing I could put all that in and actually have a a return on my investment, an eternal return. It'll last forever. So that's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 21, Scripture says this, the band comes up. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, notice this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why I'm sharing this with you. I need to get your heart all bound up in heaven. How do I do it? You put your treasure in heaven. You put your, your, your resource in heaven. I put my investment in heaven. And when I put my investment in heaven, my heart goes with it. Come on, we'll close. I talk all the time about, listen, you need to get on a, you need to get on a C team. Come on, I need to get, get you serving in church. I need to get you, and I want you to hear this. Please hear this. Some of you think, well, they just, they're always, always, they always want help. They just want help. Come on, everybody, listen to me. Yes, the church runs better the more people we have serving. And guys, we are gonna reach this city. We are gonna change California. We're gonna be, have a front row seat to a revival that God is gonna bring. I'm telling you, friends, we're gonna see it. And, and there's just a bunch of people that are gonna be a part of making it happen. And having a lot of people help makes things a lot more, a lot easier. That's all true. But the reason we ask you to join the C team is not because we want something from you. It's because I know if I can get you doing something with your time that has some eternal weight to it, it'll change everything for you. Why? Because when you're doing with your life, investing your life in things that are beyond this planet, all of a sudden your heart starts to move past this planet. And all I'm trying to do is give you an opportunity to just start, man, living your life in a way that invests in beyond what is actually going bankrupt. Does that make sense, everybody? so that you can just start being freed up a little bit. That's why I'm like, hey, get involved, get involved, start serving. Get a front row seat to what God's doing. Give your time and energy and talent and and treasure to the things that matter most. And when you do, you'll live like Paul lived. And Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. You can't mess with somebody like that. You're like, throw him in prison. He's like, that's fine. God's gonna use me in prison. He's gonna... Everyone thinks that Paul was in chains and he was chained to Roman soldiers. I would say those Roman soldiers were chained to Paul because he just lived like that. God got me here. And while I'm here, I'm gonna give you heaven everywhere he went. Well, Paul, we're gonna kill you. That's all right. I've been trying to figure it out, you know, because I actually would like to go see him someday. So go ahead. It's all right. Can't mess with Paul. And so here's what he says. And here's what I want you to say. Here's what you can say. I am certain of heaven, confident. And therefore, 
I walk with confidence today. The spirit of fear is broken off my life because I have nothing to fear. Perfect love casts out fear. The fact that he loves me and has given me Jesus, give me heaven, like cast out all fear. I don't have to walk in fear. And here's what I can say. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9. As I read this church, would you stand with me? And as I read this, I want you just to receive it, okay? Like make this your own. It's your act of worship today and just receiving this, okay? Here's how you live. Ready? Are you ready? Watch, say, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but I am not abandoned. Church, I struck down, but I am not destroyed. Why? How do I, how do I know that? How do I know that? How do, how do I know that? Watch what he says. Because we know, we know. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself. I know that, I know that. Therefore, come on, this is you right now. Therefore, I will not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them are. So we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes. Come on, fix your eyes. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen, it's only temporal. It's only temporal. But what is unseen, that's eternal. That's where life is. See, John says, I write these things so you can know where you're going and that changes everything can I have a better amen church thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church it's our prayer that through this message God would impact and inspire your life if you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org also If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us.